You're listening to the message podcast of High Ridge Church Longview, where our vision is to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. We are so glad that you're here, and we pray that this message impacts your life as you apply the spiritual truths from God's Word in practical ways. Let's listen in. Come on, say good morning to all of our friends watching online from all around the world. Come on, High Ridge family, give them a big warm hello. I'm so glad that you're tuning in. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I think God's got something important to speak to you. Even if you're sitting on your couch, even if you're sick, whatever, you, whatever situation you may find yourself in, God wants to speak to you today, even at your house. So grab your Bibles, if you would. We're going to spend some time in the book of Genesis. If you're not familiar with the Bible, go to the very beginning. Turn over to chapter four, if you would. Genesis chapter four. As you're turning there, I want to remind you of a couple things. Uh, number one, our daddy-daughter dance is coming up this week. Daddies. Make some plans to be there. It's an important thing that's coming up this weekend. So I want to make sure that you're there. Make sure you go online and get a ticket to that. And uh, I just also want to thank you for being such a generous church. You guys are an amazing church. You're a giving church. We have, uh, because of your generosity, we've seen so many things happen, not just even here locally, but all around the world. I wish I could just share with you all the different wins that are happening and the way that God is using um, your finances. It's an amazing thing to see it. And uh, I'm so grateful for that. Uh, We've already seen 45 people respond to the gospel this year alone. We had four of those last week that uh, received Christ that were watching online, never even been here to this church, never even been inside this church in Longview, Texas, and received Christ because of your generosity and because of our ability to just broadcast this around the world. For those of you that are sharing this message on Facebook or YouTube or any of your social media platforms, um, it's working. People are hearing the good news of Jesus. They're responding. And so I just want to say thank you for being a church that's willing to give and serve and being the hands and feet of Jesus. You guys make serving here awesome. Thank you so much for that. Genesis chapter four. We're going to continue on and finish up. I believe we're going to finish up our series this week. Unless the Lord has other plans, we're going to finish our series called In the Tension. And I want you to see how from the very beginning of time, The tension created between us and the Lord, the tension created in our homes, the tension created in our lives is a direct byproduct of sin and disobedience. When we don't listen to the Lord, tension is the result. And from the beginning of time, all the way down to you, all the way down to the end of the book of Revelations, at the end of all time, there is always tension as a result of sin. Things can get tense. Now, perhaps you're wondering why things are so tense in your home right now, uh, let me just venture a guess that you forgot that last week we had Valentine's Day. Now, I, remi- I reminded you from the platform, I left you cards in the bathroom that you could take, and there were still some left over. So if you forgot last week was Valentine's, you're like, perhaps that's the reason why my house has been so tense. This message is for you. We're, we're going we're gonna to help you. Or you might have Alzheimer's. Check with your doctor. Either way, we're going to get you some help. So Genesis chapter four, we're looking at the very first family from Adam and Eve all the way down to their sons and to their third generation in Genesis chapter four. And I want you to see how because of the disobedience of of Eve and Adam that God creates uh, this environment that, that was perfect for them and now he has to bring them out of it because of their disobedience. And so they pass it along to their children. One son murders their other son and things have gone from bad to worse. From generational curses, it all starts here in Genesis three and then moving to Genesis four. And so God has a conversation with Cain, who has just murdered his brother. And God says, where's your brother? And he's like, man, I don't know. He was just here a minute ago. You must have lost him. That ain't my fault. And then God says, no, I saw what you've done. And now not only are you under the curse of your father, now you've created another curse. It says the ground will not produce for you anymore. 
You're going to be a restless wanderer on the earth. Or in other words, this is where the life of, of no productivity, a life without purpose, comes to the planet right there. The curse of Cain. And many of us still choose to live underneath the curse of Cain, a life with no purpose, a life with no meaning, a restless wanderer with no productivity, a life that makes no difference. And Cain says, this punishment is too much for me. And God says, no, 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 I'm going to take care of you, but your, your disobedience has created tension. You got, you got to leave. So the Bible says that God marks Cain and sends him out. And then it comes to one of the saddest verses that you will ever find in the Bible Starting in Genesis 4 with verse 16, it says this, so Cain went out from the Lord's presence. Now, we can read that on the surface and say, yeah, he, didn't, he stopped talking with God. Or we can read a little bit deeper into that and see something that's extremely sad. I want to remind you of this. Nothing good happens after midnight, and nothing good happens outside of the Lord's presence. Anybody ever had a mom that told you that? Nothing good happens after midnight. I want to just add to that, nothing good happens outside of the presence of the Lord. And so Cain leaves out of the presence of the Lord, and it says he goes this, he, go, he goes to, uh, to live in the land of Nod. Now, if I preach really, really, really well today, you will hopefully not live in the land of Nod, but if somebody there next to you is nodding, you have my full permission to give them the elbow of righteousness and to wake them up. So this is a no-nod zone. No-nod zone. Cain went out from the, I'm sorry. Cain went out to the Lord from the Lord's presence, lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. It goes on to say, Cain was then building a city and named it after his son. Now, it's interesting that God curses Cain to be a restless wanderer with no productivity, and Cain decides to fight that. You see his rebellious heart by saying, I'm not going to wander. I'm going to build my city. So instead of even submitting to what the Lord says, you see the evil in his heart that he decides to build a name for himself. And to defy what God had even put on him. I won't do that. I'm going to do this. And as a result, more and more wickedness enters the world. In this period, the antediluvian period, it's a period of long life. People are living way beyond 70, 80, 90 years. They're living hundreds of years. And they don't get better. Things get worse. And God is watching as the sons of Cain walking in this curse become more and more and more wicked. I can't help but think of what it must have looked like to Adam and Eve, knowing that one son is in the ground and the other son has killed him and is building a name for himself and watching things go from bad to worse, more and more and more evil. Pick up in verse 25. It says, Adam made love to his wife again. <laughs> I'm so glad we have a mature church that would never giggle over something <laughs> Like that. I'm so thankful that you're so mature. You're so mature. Made love to his wife again. Is, that, is it that time of year again already? I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to preach a message on biblical sex at some point. I'm going to preach a whole series. I've got a whole bunch of stuff on it. And half the church is going to leave and the other half is going to have a healthy marriage. It's going to be good. Some of y'all going to get really offended. The rest of y'all going to get really healthy. It's going to be good. But, but not today. We'll, we'll, we will move past it. Adam, <laughs> let's keep going. And she gave birth to a son, and she named him Seth, saying, God has granted me another child in place of Abel since Cain killed him. I want you to see the Lord responding to her grief and the loss of a child. The Lord responds to the death of a dream. Remember this, by the way. 
Um, Eve was told by God in the middle of the curse that God puts upon the entire world because of her disobedience, God says, yeah, I'm going to punish you, but God says, your seed is going is to crush his head. Now, God is speaking prophetically about the son, Jesus, that he's going to send through her, but she has got to, in her mind, think it's going to be my son. Now, with one son becoming more and more wicked and the other son becoming dead, think about the grief that must hit her as the death of the dream, the death of the promise of God. God, but you told me. Now my son is wicked. He's not going to damage Satan's kingdom. He's living in the middle of it. And God says, no, that's not what I had in mind. God sent another son, Seth. Seth meaning uh, the name of, his name means in place of. In place of. I love how out of tragedy, God brings new beginnings. I think that's a word for someone. As I was reading this story, I wanted to make sure that I showed that to you. I felt like that was important for you to see that. And if that's a word that speaks specifically to you, just know that the Lord cares about you. And even though you may be walking through a dark season when things may not look like what you think they need to look like, but God may not be doing what you think God should be doing, out of tragedy, God can bring new beginnings. He brings beauty for ashes. And I've seen it happen time and time and time again. Out of our deepest tragedy, God brings a new beginning. But remember this, it may not look like what you think it needs to look like. So God sends Seth in place of Abel. And as one generation of Cain's followers get so much more wicked, the Bible tells us this. Seth also had a son and named him Enosh. And at that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Now, if you have a paper Bible, I want you to grab the pen that's on the seat in front of you and underline that last sentence of that chapter right there. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. It's a small scripture tucked in there that is extremely important. And it's in that scripture alone today that I want to build the entire message around. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. I want you to see what, what happens when God brings new beginnings out of tragedy and I want, you to, I want you to see what happens when second chances look a little different than what we might think. So here, we see two brothers, the older and the younger. We see one generation creating more and more wickedness and the other one beginning to call upon the name of the Lord. You know, it kind of paints us a picture where, uh, where it shows us this is the first corporate gathering of worshipers. Where they say, you know what, we're, we're not going to go down that road. We're, we're going to go back towards a relationship with the Lord. I don't, I don't know what you guys are doing over there, that, but that ain't for me. I, I, want, I want him. I choose him. I, ch- I choose the better path. And I just want to say I'm proud of each of you that have made that decision in your own heart to to maybe look at your family and say, man, you guys can, you guys can go that way if you want to. I, I know where that road goes. That, that's not for me. I found, I found something better. I found a relationship with the Lord. I found the lover of my soul. I found the one that satisfies. That doesn't satisfy. Seth and his family begin to call upon the name of the Lord. That's a good scripture for you. And so I want to talk about the, the two cultures that we see from the beginning of time that are still warring today. The culture of the the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness, the the tension between those that are choosing to worship the Lord with all their heart and those that are just choosing to be wicked. 
We see that from the beginning of time, it's always existed. There's a tension between those two kingdoms, darkness and light, spirit and flesh, good and evil, right and wrong, the worshipers and the wicked. It's always been, it always will be, until God says, that's enough. So today we're going to talk about relieving the tension between the worshipers and the wicked. Because I want you to know, we live in a wicked time. We live in a wicked generation. There's some crazy things happening. And uh, I, I don't know about you, but if, if you were to go back in time 50 or 60 years ago, and me, mom, and pop, pop were young, they would not have believed some of the things that are happening around us that were just like, yeah, that's what people do. You go back about 150 years, people that were hardcore Christians would look at our church and be like, mm-mm. Where is the organ? We've got like 600 organs on that thing. There's, pick which one you want. We've got a lot of them. Electric guitar. Like, easy. There's a lot of things to get offended about. But here... I want you to see the difference between the worshipers and the wicked. And as we're digging into the word of God, I think there's some things that are really important for us to be able to navigate through the times in which we live. These are not easy times by any means. These are not times where uh, everyone is turning and calling upon the name of the Lord. That's, that's not the times that we're living in. How do we relieve the tension between the worshipers of God and the wickedness of the world. I wanna give you three things that are important. If you're a note taker, write this down. We're gonna spend most of our time here on point one and we'll move really quickly to point two and point three. But here's number one. Uh, we can be in the world and not of the world. In the world, not of it. Now, if you're raised in, uh, in the Christian church of the 90s, uh, you might still have your WWJD bracelet just hanging on by a thread, but you still got it. Uh, but not of this world was a big clothing line that uh, if you're in youth ministry in the 90s, you had to have one of those shirts. Not of this world. And it tells everybody like, hey, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. And over and over through scripture, it reminds us that we're in the world, but you're not of the world. I want to remind you of a great scripture in Philippians 3. It says, our citizenship, come on, somebody say, our citizenship is in heaven. That means before I am of this earth, I'm of a different kingdom. My citizenship ain't here. Before I'm an American, my citizenship is in heaven. I belong to Jesus. I'm just a pilgrim passing through. This ain't my final destination. This ain't the end. That should bring somebody hope today. This ain't it. This ain't all there is. I'm not living for just this life. Paul says if, if it's just about this life, then we're men most miserable like, this ain't enough for me. We're in the world. We're not of the world. So then how should we live as believers in, in a wicked generation where there's so much evil all around us? I want to give you three sub points that I'm going to move really quickly on, but these are the most important things I'm going to say. Uh, number one, don't be weird. <laughs> don't be weird. Christians are the weirdest people on the planet. Come on. And... You'll have a conversation with your neighbor over the fence post, and then they'll come to church, and they're like, you don't talk that way when we're talking. Like, but we have our own language, Christianese. <laughs> and the things that we say to each other inside the church, like the world looking at you like, what, in the, what does that mean? I, was a, I got to be a church consultant for a little bit. Um, I, churches would hire me out to come and just sit in their services and write down notes of 
things that were, uh, that were really hard to translate to those that didn't understand. Um, and so they'd let, be like, why aren't we reaching the lost? And when we bring people, they, they leave really, really quickly. They're not, they don't understand kind of what we're doing. And I would come in and start making lists. I'm like, Number one on the list, you're really weird. People don't get you. You get you. They don't get you. Well, what's so weird about it? It's like, mm. so I'll just give you a quick example. I went to this one service and I walk in just a little bit late to see how they respond. And, uh, and they were doing communion at the beginning of the service. And communion itself can be really weird if you don't understand what communion is. And so when people start talking about, you know, this is the body of Christ, we're going to eat the body of Christ, I'm like, mm, maybe explain that a little better. Drink the blood of Jesus, you're like, and I'm out. Like, that's, that's, that's weird. But there's a guy that walks up to me with a loaf of bread and said, let's, let's eat the bread of, of reconciliation. And I'm like, the, the bread of reconciliation? <laughs> Do you speak English? Am I in the... And so he breaks off a chunk of bread with his bare hand and hands it to me. And I'm like, no. No, man. <laughs> now, I'm raised in church my whole life. I know what you're trying to do, but it's weird. We went down to the movies one time, and this was downtown Fort Worth, and they had a group of Christians that were out there witnessing on the streets, and they had some, some kids that were trying to share the gospel of Jesus, but in the completely wrong attitude, and they're just screaming at people. And I'm like, you know, not everybody here is, is wicked and lost. Like a bunch of these people just got out of church on Sunday. We're coming to see, we were coming to see the passion of the Christ. Like, come on, man. And they're screaming at people. And there's a little kid that walks up to us. And I was like, I wonder what they're going to say. And the little kid walks up and points his finger at me. He goes, you're going to die tonight. I'm like, that's weird, man. That's a funny way to open a conversation. And he was a false prophet, let me just say, I'm still here. <laughs> Stop being weird. We don't have to be weird to love Jesus. Here's the second key I want to make sure that you see. Don't be worldly. We're in the world, not of it. That means we don't have to live like they live. We don't get our peace from the things that bring them their peace. We're not in pursuit of all the things that they think are so important. We're in the world, not of it. We don't have to be weird. We don't have to be worldly either. And there's this movement that swept across Christianity saying, as long as I have the grace of God, I can live any way I want to live. And God's got to forgive me. Like, that's not the way that that works. The Bible calls that presuming upon the grace of God. We don't have to be weird, but you ain't got to be worldly either. So what are we to be? How are we to function in a world that's getting more and more wicked? Look at this. Be in the spirit. In the spirit. What do you mean by that, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. It means to be in step with or in tune with the Holy Spirit. That means that when I wake up in the morning, before I check Facebook, or before I'm looking at my newsfeed or looking at my schedule for the day, I spend time with the Lord. I say, Holy Spirit, come. Would you take over my day? Would you order my steps? Would you help me to say the things that you want me to say? Help me to operate in wisdom. Help me to be obedient to what you're saying. Help me to be in step with you all day long, Lord. My schedule belongs to you. My accounts belong to you. My meetings belong to you. My attitude belongs to you. Let me be in step with you today, God. It's that simple. Don't be weird. Don't be worldly. Be in the spirit. Paul says this in Galatians 5. He says, walk by the spirit. And then you're not going to gratify the deeds of your flesh. For the flesh desires, he says, what is contrary to the spirit. Notice the tension between your flesh and the spirit of God. There's always a war happening inside of you for the control of your day. It says, your flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. Who's winning here? 
Take a deep, honest look. Which one's in charge? I don't have to be weird. Not worldly. How do I become not worldly? Be in the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit of God. Those things are important. And I want to remind you, conditions don't have to be perfect for you to be led by the Spirit of God. Some of us are like, you know, when things get better, right now I'm in the middle of a crisis, I got other things to worry about than submitting my day to the Holy Spirit. No, 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 you don't. No, you don't. I want to remind you of the conditions that existed when people were led by the Spirit all throughout the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, led by the Spirit. Paul's writing by the Spirit from prison. And this is not just the Harris County Jail. This is not Longview's Jail. No, this is a hole in the ground filled with sewage. And he writes in the Spirit. John on the Isle of Patmos is, is left alone by himself as punishment because they tried to kill him by boiling him alive in oil. He doesn't die. And they stick him on an island because they can't kill him. And then being led by the Spirit, he writes the book of Revelation. Jesus being led by the Spirit into the wilderness after fasting for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. Being led by the Spirit. Conditions do not have to be perfect for you to be led by the Spirit. Ezekiel led by the Spirit into the valley of dry bones. I'm just telling you, there are difficult situations that should not keep you from being led by the Spirit. That's when you need the Spirit the most. Lord, lead me. Show me. Let me be in tune with you. Let me be in step with you. What are you saying? Where are you moving? What do you have for me? I want to be in step with the Spirit. Don't be weird. Don't be worldly. Be in the Spirit. You still with me? This is better than your amen, and I'm telling you, this is good stuff. Look at somebody say, don't be weird. This is for you. You needed this. (laughs) Here's point number two. How do we exist in a world that's so wicked? How do we continue to worship the Lord? I want to remind you of this, because we can see the price tag and the reward. It's like an old episode of The Price is Right where you're guessing the, the price on these, on the, let's bid on this next showcase item. Like there's a price tag on everything that you see. There's also reward for the actions that you take and the words that you speak. I want to remind you of this. There is a high price to pay for low living. High price. And by the way, when it says Seth begins to call upon the name of the Lord, he doesn't know that there's a, that there's a flood coming to judge the wicked. But he knows what happened to his mother and father when they were driven out of the Garden of Eden, driven from the presence of the Lord. When they had all the perfect conditions, they tell him the story of his brothers. They tell him the story of what it was like to live in perfection. And Abel is dead and Cain is becoming more evil. Adam and Eve are discouraged because they've lost their son. And Seth begins to call upon the name of the Lord. He says, I want to reestablish communion with my father. I want him. I want him. There's a high price to pay for low living, but there is a big reward for holy living. Big reward. I want to remind you, your your God knows how to bless. Your God knows how to take care of his children. He's El Shaddai, not El Cheapo. Right? He knows how to bless. So what's the reward for holy living? You get him. The pearl of great price. You get him. The king of kings, the Lord of lords. You get him. You get a relationship with, our, with your father. God says this to Abram in uh, Genesis 15. He says, I'm your shield, I'm your protector, and I'm your great reward. 
You get a relationship with me. God had called Abraham to be a, a man that's looking for a, a city whose builder and maker is God. And he travels and he wanders and he's looking for a place. What's in it for me, God? God says, you get me. You get me. I want to remind you, there's a price tag and a reward for everything that you see. You don't want to pay the price tag for sin. You can't pay the price tag for sin. We needed grace. We needed Jesus. We needed the cross. There's a high price to pay for it. So uh, it's, it's easy, I think, for some of us to get stuck in this, in this rut of looking at the way that the wicked world lives and becoming envious of what they have. You ever seen some wicked people that seem to prosper, seem to have so many good things, and you're like, man, what about me? Like, what, about, what about my blessings? What about my breakthrough? Like that person won't even tithe, and they won the lottery. I'll tithe. I will, I will give. I will be generous. I will help the poor. God, give me those things. I think sometimes we look at uh, worldly success as spiritual blessing. That's, that's really not the case. I mean, it, it can be in some, in some cases, but that, you know, money is not a marker of biblical success. It, it can be part of it, but that's not the end goal. As a matter of fact, I want to leave you with this, with this simple thought on this. Uh, biblical success is obedience, not opulence. Obedience. Obedience. Am I doing what God told me to do? Yes, success. Everything that comes along with being right in the middle of the Lord's will is powerful. It's good. It's better. It's just better. Why? Because you get him. And with him comes every good thing. Oh, every good gift comes from above, from your, from your father. He knows how to give good gifts. And you get him. So there's a high price to pay for low living. There's a, there's a reward for holy living. Then I want to finish up with this final point. How can we live in a wicked and perverse generation? How do we look around our world and see so much wickedness and then continue to keep our hearts toward the Lord, continue to call upon the name of the Lord? I want to remind you of this. Point number three is we base our worship on how good God is, not how wicked they are. It's about how good he is. He's worthy of worship. He's worthy of honor. He's worthy of praise. Worthy of glory. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. In the midst of wickedness, he's still worthy. And this is where our focus has to be. Otherwise, we start looking around and, man, those things start affecting us. We start looking at the wickedness of our world and weird things begin to happen inside of our hearts. There's a tension that comes when we see the wickedness of our world. And it affects the worship that we have. So we can look around at, at the things that are happening in the news. And I'm just telling you, I'll spend about 15 minutes on the news a week and I can't do it anymore. I, I just can't. It's wicked. It's evil. It's hardcore. And this started back in 2020 when I realized perhaps this reading the news thing is not good for me. <laughs> perhaps I should choose a different path. Because I'm trying to figure out what's going on and what's being said. And is there this? Is there that? Is there answers that... In the middle, middle of confusing times, I didn't find answers. I, I found wickedness and hatred. And it begins to affect my worship. Because instead of coming to the Lord and allowing him to cleanse my mind, and just going to his presence, I'm just busy complaining about stuff and getting angry about stuff and being judgmental about stuff. And so when you look around at your world and you read the news and you see the, the things that happened at the Grammy Awards this week with just celebrating Satan, like... 50 years ago, Pop Pop wouldn't have put up with that. That ain't happening. Like, let's dress like the devil and dance around. Like, that, that used to be comedy. Now it's entertainment. 
Let's do things that are demonic. Doesn't that surprise you, Pastor? Isn't that shocking? No. They've been doing that since the beginning of time. Unsafe people do unsafe things. When this life is all you get, you're spending your time trying to outdo one another with your wickedness. Things go from bad to worse. It's the reason why we have shorter lifespans. God says, I can't let you live to be 900 years old. You do dumb things. It doesn't... Wisdom comes with age. God's like, <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. Gray hair comes with age. Wisdom comes from the presence of the Lord. But man, God says, you can't live that long anymore because you get wicked. You get really good at being really bad. And we find ourselves as worshipers of the king in a wicked generation forced to navigate between the tension between right and wrong and how do we be in the world and not of the world and how do we continue to worship the Lord without it letting all the wickedness that's around us affect us. I want to remind you of something that's extremely important as believers and perhaps the most important thing I say next to don't be weird. Yeah. I want to put this on the screen so you can see it. I'm going to have to confront the judgmental spirit in myself. And this is critical for us to hear as a church because you're living in a wicked generation and the natural response for us is to look at them and say, burn in hell. You get what you deserve. Your judgment's coming. And let it confuse us and make us angry and we start pointing fingers at them instead of recognizing it for what it is. It's the spirit of the age. It's the work of the evil one. We're calling upon the name of the Lord. Not just so that we can be saved, but so that they can have hope. I want to remind you, our citizenship is in heaven. It doesn't just say my citizenship is in heaven. It says our. And I want to exist at a time where the church becomes the hands and feet of Jesus to those that don't even realize who Jesus is. Let me ask you a question that, that, that hit me in the chest about 25 years ago. A pastor stood behind a pulpit and said, who's gonna be in heaven because of you? And that lit a fire in me. That stirred something in my spirit. Something began to just leap and I thought, you know what? The rest of you suckers, y'all can, can go to Golden Corral and pretend like, like this message didn't happen, but I took that as a personal mandate. Like, Lord, I want to be a pastor of a church that's reaching the lost. I want to be a pastor of a church that's not living worldly, but ain't weird either. Where you can come in and say, you know what? I belong here. These are people like me. And we can reach for Jesus together. I don't want to be a part of a church where people just come and point fingers at the world. We're not pointing fingers. We're opening hands and saying, come on, baby. Get in here. There's room. There's room. There's room. Now... As I say that, there's no more room in this service. <laughs> so I want to appeal to you, if you're coming to the service and you're an early riser, we do have a couple of spots left in first service. There's not a lot left in third. So some of you are like, I'm going to sleep in and go to third service. Uh, we don't have a lot of room for you there either. We do have some room in first. So if some of you are willing to make a commitment, it's not that early. And I promise you, the jokes are fresh. I make a lot more mistakes. I laugh at myself a lot more in first service. By second service, I'm a polished professional. <laughs> but would you consider 
coming to first service. If you're inviting people, by the way, if you have friends and neighbors that are coming to church service, you come to any church service you want to. But if you ain't got nobody coming with you, come to first, please. Because we are out of parking. Um, we've used, these are, these are all the chairs that we have. Um, our executive pastor broke a chair last night sitting in it, so we, we need to raise some extra money for our chair fund. I'm so, it happened. Tell the truth. <laughs> Look at this scripture. 1 John 5 says, we know that we're of God. And I want you to know that. If you don't know anything else, have a relationship. You gotta know that you're in relationship with the Lord. Know that he's the Lord and savior of your life. We know that we're of God. But it says the whole world is in the power of the evil one. Things are gonna get wicked and they're gonna get worse. Lost people do lost things. But we don't have to leave them there. Jesus says the harvest is ripe. People get tired of wickedness because it doesn't pay off. That, that fun only lasts for a season, and there's a high price tag to pay for it. They, don't, they can't pay for it either. They need what you have. There's a great quote that's going around this week as I'm confronting the judgmental spirit in myself, and the judgmental spirit that is so prevalent, especially in East Texas, it is it's gross. The judgmental legalistic spirit. There's a reason why a lot of people in our city will not grace the doors of a church because they've had it up to here with weird, judgmental Christians. And look at me, that ain't you. And that ain't us. We have to show them something different. Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world. They're condemned already. I came to seek and save those which are lost. If it's not too good for Jesus, it ain't too good for you. Here's a great quote going around, and I had to share it. And if, uh, if no one else takes credit for it, then I invented it. Here's the quote. God didn't send his son to condemn the world. I doubt he sent me to do it either. Not here to condemn you. I'm here to introduce you to Jesus. So let me ask you the same question the pastor asked me. Who's going to be in heaven because of you? Whose life has been affected because of you? As we talk about making a difference with our lives, there is no bigger difference that you can make within your lifetime than to lead people to Jesus. That's the difference. That's the impact that you want to make. It's bigger than just raising a healthy family. That's that's a good thing. There's something better. That's bringing more people into God's family. And I want to remind you of this. Somebody loved you enough to share the gospel with you. Somebody loved you enough to risk embarrassment. Somebody loved you enough to risk rejection so that you could hear the story of Jesus. Maybe it was a teacher. Maybe a preacher. Maybe a mom or dad. Maybe a spouse or a brother. Somebody loved you enough to share Jesus with you and you're here because somebody invited you. Who's gonna be in heaven because of you? I hope that hits you just as hard as it hit me. It's become a mandate of my life to get as many people into relationship with Jesus as possible. It's the greatest mission of my life. It's the most important thing ever to get people to know Jesus. What's important to you? And could it be that it's, it's time to look at your priorities? What's more important on Monday and Tuesday than to make sure that everybody around us knows Jesus, that we're being a good witness, not being weird, not being worldly, being led by the Spirit, spreading Jesus to those that don't know. Your city needs it.
There's a lot of people in this city that think that they know Jesus and hate his church. Let us be the generation that changes their mind about the body of Christ. You still with me? I want to finish up right there. Would you bow your head and close your eyes as we're finishing up? And for those of you that are watching online, if you liked what you heard today, would you do me a favor? Would you, would you click the share, the share button at the very bottom of the screen? I think God wants to use your social media, your influence, to share this message with those that need it. So that would mean the world to me if you wouldn't mind doing that. For everyone else with heads bowed and eyes closed, I believe if I've done my job correctly today, as you're praying, the Lord's going to put people's faces and names into your mind of those that he's reaching out to, those that need a relationship with Jesus, those that are far from the Lord that need to come home. And this is your mission field. Like the old TV show used to say, this is your mission should you choose to accept it. Let me remind you, man, the world's a wicked place. There's a lot of God's lost kids that are looking on in desperation for hope. They need life. They need, it. They need the love of Jesus. They're going to find him through you. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you put people on our mind that need to know you? Those that are far from home. Help us to be your hands and your feet in a perverse and wicked generation. Show us what to do and how to do it. Let us be led by your spirit. Lord, you confront the judgmental spirit in each of us. Help us to stop burning bridges and start building them. From the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. From hopelessness to hope. From death to life. In Jesus' name. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed, perhaps you're here today or perhaps you're watching online and you're saying, Pastor, if I'm going to be honest, I, I need a relationship with Jesus. I, uh, I need that. You may not know how to do that. Let me help you, if you wouldn't mind. Let me help you the same way that somebody helped me one time. It starts with a prayer. You may not know what to pray or how to do it. I'm going to help you. I'll tell you what to say. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you need a relationship with Jesus, if today is your day where you're coming back home to the Lord, or maybe you've never done this before, the prayer goes like this. Just say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that you came. You died. I believe you rose again so that I could have life and forgiveness for all of my sins. Come into my heart. Take over my life. I give it to you. In Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, my friend, if that was you, if you actually prayed that prayer, would you look up at me all over this place and lift up your hand and say, that was me, Pastor. I did that. Good, good, good. If you're watching online, or if you're here in the room, and you prayed that prayer, there's a number that's appearing on your screen and on the screen behind me. The number is 844-HRC-TEXT. If you pray that prayer, you've come this far, I want to challenge you to take the next step. Text me. Text the words, I prayed, to that number on your screen, and I'm going to send you some links to some things that I've prepared just for you. It'll help you understand what just happened in your heart and what to do next. It'd be my greatest honor to help you 
understand Jesus better. Good for you. Well, Highbridge family, go ahead and look up at me if you would, then stand to your feet. It's been such a great, great day getting into the word of the Lord and receiving all that God has for us and hearing his heart for our, for our generation. We've already had six people respond to the gospel today. That puts us over 50. That's 51 if my math is correct. And it always is. So I have our elders and their wives stepping forward. These guys are gonna be right here to pray with you about anything that you might need prayer for. If you're watching online, you need some prayer, would you look at the comment section and say, I need prayer for a certain thing? And we will be faithful to pray for you. We believe that God answers prayer. It doesn't need to just be you praying. We can pray together. There's something special that happens when we agree in prayer. For everyone else, I want to remind you of the daddy-daughter dance. Man, that's a big deal. So grab your daughters. And by the way, if, it's, uh, if, if there's a, a girl in your family, a little girl that doesn't have a dad, man, this might be the moment where you step in and show her what a healthy relationship needs to look like. Um, those role models are really important. And there's lots of little girls that don't have dads. Uh, Grandpa, it might be your time to shine, man. Maybe for an uncle, maybe it's your time to shine. Uh, but step in and show them what it's like to be treated like a princess and they won't settle for some yo-yo out there. They need it. Come on, somebody. Sound like there's some ladies in here settled for some yo-yos. You're like, yeah, I married her 25 years. We have a group for you. Groups are meeting all over this place. We would love to see you in a group. For everyone else, let me bless you and send you out. Father, thank you for this amazing time in your word. Thank you for those that are watching and listening. Thank you for all of us who are able to gather together as the body of Christ, Lord, to lift up your name and to receive instructions for our world. Would you bless my friends with an incredible week being led by your spirit all week long. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you go. I hope you have an awesome week. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by the message. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you want to be a part of our online community, connect with us through Facebook or Instagram with the handle at HighRidgeLV, or you can check out our website at HighRidgeLV.com. Lastly, if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to support its work, visit HighRidgeLV.com give. We appreciate your support and we're believing with you today for God's best in your life. Have an incredible week and we will see you next time.